Hello, and welcome to the Stop Devaluation Podcast. I'm your host and founder of the Stop Devaluation Movement, Melody Hilton. The heart of this movement is to see the value in all of humanity and live courageous lifestyles of using our power for good instead of harm. We can affect change by choosing validation over judgment, and I hope you'll take your place and make a positive impact in this world. Welcome, everyone, to the Stop Devaluation Movement's My Story interview with Janet Schuler. Thank you so much for being here, Janet. Oh, thank you. It's a joy and an honor to be with you today. Well, one thing I'm so excited about is I know you, and I know how you impact so many lives for good, that leader of justice that I talk about so much. But I also am aware that life is not fair for anyone. Were there any things in your life where you felt devalued, dehumanized, or just felt like you were not good enough? Uh, yeah. Perhaps the most uh, difficult devaluing time of my life was uh, about 27 years of being married to an alcoholic and uh. all that goes with the alcoholism. So how did that affect your life? Uh, well, uh, in a lot of ways, I was uh, really a certified codependent. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, uh, you know, uh, how it affected my life in terms of devaluing, um, it's hard to explain uh, the ups and downs of uh, when you're a, a spouse of someone that is an alcoholic. Uh, you never know what a day or a moment will hold. People hmm. can go from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde in an instant. And uh, it makes, when someone is screaming and in a rage at you, it, it's emotionally abusing and confusing. Uh, you wonder, is there something that I really did? Uh, is it me? Um, it, you know, how can I make this better? How can I make uh, things be peaceable? And the fact of the matter, it had nothing to do with me, or at least the alcoholic component didn't have anything to do with me. Um, I had to learn the three C's, which I didn't learn for obviously a long time. You can't cure it. But you can learn to cope. And I forget what the third C was, but there's a third C. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to learn to cope every single day, not knowing what that day would hold. So how did that make you feel about yourself? Oh, how it made me feel about myself. Uh, it was rocky. Uh, one moment you feel like you're wonderful, and the next moment it's uh, almost like the Stockholm Syndrome where uh, your tormentors can be kind to you or be vicious to you. And it, it really kind of keep, keeps you off balance. It uh, Eventually, it, there's a brokenness that comes in. Mm. There's... Uh, you know, I, I also, during this time, I'm a mom of five children. So I was 
caring for five children, raising them with the wild card of the insanity of alcoholism, sometimes I would literally have to throw myself between my ex and my children because I didn't want them to be physically abused. I was not physically abused because, I don't know, I must have had a look in my eye like Clint Eastwood, <laughs> go ahead and make my day. There was That was the line. It's a low bar to say, but my line was that I was never going to allow myself to be physically abused. And I say it's a low bar that I set for myself because I allowed myself to be mentally and emotionally abused on an ongoing basis, and it was exhausting. There was a time when I contemplated suicide. Wow. I, uh, I, I was really at my wit's end between uh, the ab- abuse and the anger and the tension that was in the house, The caring for five young children, I mean, I had five children in seven and a half years, was the stairway to Mm -hmm. heaven. And uh, I remember going to the grocery store and sitting in the parking lot, and I, I, I was so depressed that I didn't even have tears to cry. I don't know if you've ever been to Mm. the point where it goes beyond tears. And I remember before I went in the grocery store, I just said, you know, I really want to end it. I'd be better off being dead. I've I've just, I, I don't feel like I can go on anymore. And at that time, it was like a voice inside of me, like within my heart, within my spirit, uh, said to me, watch what you ask for, or you could have it. Be careful what wow. you're saying. Wow. And, and I, I just sensed that so loud and clear in my heart that it caused me to just stop. And I literally did a quick turnaround and said, oh, I, I, I didn't mean that. I, I, I take that back. And uh, that was actually a turning point for me. My goodness. So you, you went from a place where you were felt powerless, like you couldn't do anything about it. And at that moment, did it cause you to recognize that I do have power? Is Was that an aspect of it that you knew that you can make choices for yourself, even though you couldn't control everything that was going on around about you? Um, I, I wish I could say I felt so noble that I had power. <laughs> But it was more a thing of realizing the depths that I had sunk to and realizing it was time for me to reach out, that I needed help, and that this was bigger than I was. Wow. That is really powerful because... As we, as we go through the chapters of our life story, at times we need editors, don't we? Uh, someone to reach in and say, Let, let's change the narrative of this. Let's begin to look at it through a different perspective because you were not designed to live 
under this type of oppression, this type of uh, heaviness, this type of really being in a place of being powerless to make decisions for your own life and for the life of your children, even at that time. So my goodness, that's really powerful to recognize that we all need to reach out when we're in those really difficult places. So uh, what were some of the steps that brought you out of that difficult situation? Um, Okay, well, uh, I just uh, even want to just mention that whether it's alcoholism or different types of abuse someone is in, Mm. particularly in a family setting, there's the family taboo. It's like this is the thing you don't talk about with other people. Oh, stay silent type thing. Yeah, yeah. Stay silent and be a good girl. As I think especially women, and I don't mean to be gender biased, but I sometimes women have that uh, be a good girl syndrome. And uh, in any event, uh, it is such a wonderful thing when there are people people or even a person that was in my life that I knew cared about me, that was a safe person Mm. to talk with, Mm -hmm. uh, and to be able to uh, have someone that you felt like you could risk uh, being confidential with. If that makes so sense. So you found you found some individuals who saw your value, saw your worth, and were there to support you to help you walk through those difficult times by causing you to see that that was not your portion, that you didn't have to just be a good girl. Very much so. There was a particular woman that was uh, really a life coach to me, a a lifeline, and, um, you know, uh, on an ongoing basis. And I was able to, uh, you know, talk with them, and and they had such insight uh, and were able to really, uh, you know, it was like you said, just... um, show me that there was value in me and that they saw something in me and they genuinely cared. Wow, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a, a relationship of caring with valuable wisdom that they carried. Uh, yeah, f- fortunately, I reached out to someone that, uh, you know, uh, how did I say, had something to really give me with wisdom. I didn't just reach out to someone that wanted to cry in their beer with me. Yeah, yeah. So you weren't looking for someone to pity you. You were looking for someone that would help lift you up and out of a situation that was really destructive for you. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I'm just, I really consider myself very fortunate that I not only had this one person, but uh, like my self-esteem had been in the toilet. Um, you know, I here I was, I had graduated cum laude, I had a teaching degree, and it was before I got my master's and my doctorate, but I I was a sales clerk because there was, uh, when I say I was emotionally and uh, mentally abused, I was financially abused as well. Um, I was not given any money at all, like not even to go out for a cup of coffee. And I, I mean, I had five kids at home, little ones, and I, I had no, I, I couldn't even put gas in my car. My children, 
used to throw the quarter into the toll booth for me. It was so sad. I almost cried one day when my kids were paying the tolls for me. But uh, I did go back to work as a sales clerk, which way I was way overqualified for. And uh, bottom line, there was a woman that she just looked at me one day. She was on the sales floor with me. And sometimes tough love is as good as uh, warm, fuzzy love. Yeah. And she looked at me and she said, and you, I could smack you. I looked at her like, what? And she said, what are you doing here? She said, me, this is where I have to be. And P.S. I'm not saying anything negative about sales clerks. I absolutely love the job, and it it doesn't matter what we're doing. It's all good. But uh, she was like, I don't have a degree. I don't have teaching certification. My daughter does, and she's teaching. So why are you sitting here when you could be more? She said, you need to pull yourself together and go get your teaching job. Wow. When someone sees our potential, that causes our perspective to change about ourself. And then we start making different decisions because we see ourselves through a different lens. So I know that you've come out of a lot of things. You are remarried, have an amazing husband, and and your children are all really solid, wonderful uh, men and women. But Could you tell me how you now generate value in your world? Okay. The obvious is that I have done my utmost to generate value in my own children Mm. and in my grandchildren. Uh, I have a lot of grandchildren now. (laughs) Uh, But also, I went on to be a principal of a school. I'm now retired, but I generated value in the many children that I taught, the teachers and staff and and paraprofessionals that were in our building, as well as the parents. I am now a life coach and I have a nonprofit that uh, our motivation and our mission and vision is to establish, equip, and empower others uh, into their success. And um, I've written a couple of books, so hopefully I can reach people that I might not otherwise meet. So those are some of the ways I'm generating value. Um, Would you like a personal anecdote? Sure. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'll give you one uh, as a teacher and one or two as a principal slash administrator. When I was a teacher, I had a young man, and this is in, uh, he was in seventh grade, and he stuttered severely, like could not get a sentence out. And especially if someone in authority was speaking to him. And, uh, He had shut down completely. He would not work. He would not do anything. Mm. And uh, I gave a journal topic one day, which was, when people judge you wrongly, how does that make you feel? Mm. And this child who could barely write in the seventh grade wrote in very poor English and incorrect spelling, People think I stupid. I not stupid. It make me angry. Mm. 
So I waited till the rest of the class had left, and I asked him to please come to my desk. And I said, Travis, you are not stupid, and I believe in you. Please give me more in writing so that we can prove to the whole world who you are, who you really are. And uh, so from that point forward, Travis began to write. Uh, and a lot of it in broken English, etc. But Travis grew and grew and grew. He was really very bright and able. And uh, the next year, you know, those state standardized tests that everybody the sets the bar on, he passed as proficient on his test. Oh, yay. That is an awesome, awesome story of when when you can begin to see value in someone, it begins to pull out their greatness. That is so beautiful. Do you have any other stories? Oh, I probably have several, but um, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a couple from when I was an administrator because it was a quantum leap to go from teacher to administrator. It was first a quantum leap in my own life to even go back to work as a sales clerk, to go from a sales clerk back into teaching, and then to put myself through college for my master's and my doctorate. Um, it, it, they were all quantum leaps. Uh, but while I was an administrator, um, it was easy for me to spot a child who was going through abuse. Mm. I could spot a child if they were physically abused. I could spot a child if they were emotionally abused. And there was one child, he was the kid everyone loved to hate, and P.S., one of my sons along the way was the kid everyone in school loved to hate because all of that stuff that was happening in a very dysfunctional alcoholic home took a toll on my kids. Yeah. But uh, in the education sphere, again, I could spot that out in other children. And there was one kid that, as much as everybody really had a hard time dealing with him, I was so concerned for him. And uh, one day I had, you have to be very careful when you call in child services, you have to have enough to prove abuse. If you don't have enough to prove abuse, then you could be doing that child a disservice because the parents will discipline that child for his, quote, telling someone or for being called in. You have to have enough to make it stick to get the child the help he or she deserves. So this one child, um, I just knew there was abuse. And the policy in our district was that we had to call in the police as well as child services if there, we suspected abuse. Bottom line, um, the police officer said, well, DIFUS isn't here yet. Child services isn't here yet. So let's talk. And when I explained what was going on, the police officer said, wow. He said, well, you tell the mother this and that. When she comes in, just tell her to meet us at police headquarters. And he took one look at the fear in my face. And he said, you're really afraid of this woman, aren't you? I said, you bet I am. And she's bigger than I am, too. Wow. <laughs> uh, but she, uh, in any event, he came back. He did a background check. He said, oh, my God. Dr. Schuler, 
You called that one right. She has a warrant out in three states, and she has fled one state with her children. And uh, he said, I will be here when the mother comes in. I said, thank you. I'll feel much better that way. And uh, in any event, it turned out that her other child fled and went to the Bronx, was found wandering in the Bronx by himself. And at night at 3 a.m., he was only 13. And uh, bottom line, that those children got the help that they needed. Another time when I felt that I had raised value, and this is sounds very administrative and impersonal, but I believe it affected 400 families that I represented as a principal. Uh, we had a $9 million grant for sound attenuation. P.S. That's how I met my husband. He was the construction manager. <laughs> And uh, in any event, the I knew there was a lot of corruption going on in the district, and I knew that the construction person was siphoning money and had high people in the Board of Ed in his pocket. And um, bottom line, after the uh, domestic emotional abuse I had been through, I knew how to look a mad dog in the eye and not be afraid. Wow. Um, <laughs> so even some of the difficult seasons of your life taught you so much so that they were not repeated in the future. Exactly. And the district I was in uh, was a low-income district. They were never going to see $9 million to improve that building again. And uh, bottom line, I said something to the construction manager in a meeting. It wasn't anything mean. I, I just, uh, you know, questioned something. And uh, we were sitting in our school library. The door was open. Children were passing by in the hallway. And he almost up through a chair, got in my face, and he was a big guy, got in my face and was screaming right in my face. Well, I was used to being screamed in my face, so it didn't phase me wow. one bit. And I just, and when I had learned that when somebody's getting crazy, you just get calm and quiet, but you don't back down. And so as he's in my face, screaming and flipping over a chair and kids are in the hallway watching. I was like, dang, this is like being back home again wow. a few years ago. <laughs> and uh, in any event, that was actually a turning point which uncovered some corruption. And even those that were in bed with him had to take a proactive stance because of his scene that he made with me. And so I really believe that uh, it, again, this is a very administrative thing, but I believe that I was able to put value in the building, which put value in the people. Yes. What powerful stories. And, and I just love this so much because all of us have experienced difficulties in our life. But when we take those experiences and we become a voice of validation on behalf of others who are being abused or are hurt or devalued or, or are marginalized in society, that we really can make a difference in our world. 
Thank you so much, for Janet, for being a part of the Stop Devaluation Movement and sharing your heart so vulnerably and authentically. Uh, I appreciate you being here so much. Thank you. Thank you. It, again, it's been my joy and my honor, and I just so value you. You are awesome. I want to thank you for listening and encourage you to become a part of the Stop Devaluation Movement. Be sure to like and follow hashtag Stop Devaluation on social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and visit StopDevaluation.com for more information and free resources. You can help spread the movement by sharing with others, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and most of all, by living a courageous lifestyle of using your power for good. Go out and value someone today. Your life matters and you can make the world a better place. One word, one choice, one action of validation at a time.